0: Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this night, and we thank you for each one that is here. We ask now that you take this time as we study your word, encourage us and strengthen us in it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Pick your, hymn, um, your Bibles, if you would, and turn to the book of Obadiah. Obadiah is the shortest book in the Old Testament, and... Uh, We now only, after, Lord willing, after tonight, we'll only have uh, Micah and uh, uh, Zephaniah to finish up our study on the minor prophets. And we'll try to get those in in the next couple of weeks here. But we start in verse 1, the vision of Obadiah. Thus saith the Lord God concerning Edom. And so right there in the first sentences, uh, we're introduced to uh, the author, Obadiah. Obadiah was a common name. I believe there's about eight different Obadiahs in our Bible, maybe a couple more. Uh, And uh, as far as we know, uh, this Obadiah is not connected to any of the others. Uh, his name just simply means a servant or worshiper of Jehovah. And as far as what we know about this Obadiah, other than what he wrote in his book, that's it. And some people said, well, when did uh, this uh, uh, prophet write and all of this? Well, as we'll get through the text tonight, uh, he is going to prophesy doom against Edom, the descendants of Esau, because of their behavior during the destruction of Jerusalem. And so, that would put his prophecy after the destruction of Jerusalem. It's amazing what commentaries and encyclopedias try to do with that. Uh, They try to put him all over the place. And uh, one thing you can always, just a rule that you can apply is, if you pick up one book and read this, and pick up another book and read something else, and pick up another book and read something else, uh, the general conclusion ought to be, nobody knows. And so don't pretend. And uh, that is a great rule of Bible, uh, and, and you can apply it to many different areas uh, in the book of Revelation, you have the letters to the churches, and it's an amazing thing. You'll, uh, they'll try to make those letters to the churches a commentary on church history. The only problem is no two commentators have the same dates. And you know what that tells us? It's not a commentary on church history, it's a commentary on different kinds of churches. And you know what? We can see all those different kinds of churches even to this day, can we not? We can see churches that have lost their love, churches that are weak, and yet God has opened the door and allowed them to survive. We can see churches that Jezebel teaches in. We can see churches that are dead and lukewarm, and yet they're all his churches. Amen? And Obadiah is just one of those unsung servants of God who wrote his prophecy. It was recorded, and I believe once we get through the text, we'll see some things in here that will echo very strongly, things that are in our New Testament as well. And so we start here. It says, in the middle of verse 1, "...we have heard a rumor from the Lord..." And an ambassador is sent among the heathen. Arise ye, and let us rise up against her in battle. Now, that's interesting how Obadiah starts his prophecy. He said, I've seen a vision. He said, there's a rumor. Now, of course, we have all kinds of rumors all the time. Did anybody... Play the game Telephone when you were in in uh, uh, elementary school. That's where you talk to the person next to you. You're given one little sentence and you're supposed to repeat it. And uh, it didn't matter where I was. By the time it got to me, it was always... Psh, psh, psh. And that's the only thing I ever got out of it. Um, hated that game. teacher said, let's play Telephone. Well, the thing is... That's what rumors do, is it not? I mean, they just change and go back and forth. And, and yet, here's what Obadiah is telling the people in Edom. It's in the works. It's not happening today. But God has sent forth His message. You know, one of the, the overriding thoughts we're going to get from Obadiah is God always does what he says. But he doesn't always do it right now. Have you ever caught yourself wishing God would hurry up and get something done? I wish the Lord would make everything right just now. Well, let me tell you something. He's going to. The Bible says so. But it's going to be in his time and It always looks to us like the wicked are going to win. Does it not? How many of you have been discouraged with what's going on in our nation right now? What's going on in Canada? I mean, it's not encouraging stuff. And it looks like the devil is winning. And sometimes we stop and we think about the the battles that were being fought. I remember when I was a Bible college student... Uh, Nearly 30 years ago, the the real issue in Bible-believing colleges was about the King James Bible. Whether it was authoritative in the English language or not. And I'll tell you what, only a handful of schools left today. All the major schools have gone the wrong way. The next battle was over worldliness. Except for just a few churches... Everybody's gone the other way. And it looks like the devil is winning. And that's what it was looking like in the days of Obadiah. He said, but I've heard. The Lord has said, it is coming. And the ambassador from the Lord is going to raise up all these nations. Now, why was that important? It was because at this point, Edom was really one of those little tiny countries that had a control of a lot of things. Kind of like the oil countries. I mean, they're just little tiny, unimportant countries, but they control the world market on oil, don't they? If it weren't for other countries uh, producing that oil and propping them up and giving them all kinds of money and things... They would be nobody, they would be nothing. That's where Edom was at this time. Only it wasn't oil. They controlled the main trade routes that went from Egypt up along the land of Israel and into all the northern kingdoms, the main highway. If you go all the way back to the book of Exodus, when the children of Israel came out of the land of Egypt, God finally said, you've wandered in the wilderness enough, you're going to go through the land of Edom and in, uh, and then come up on the side and cross Jordan River right against Jericho. And the king of Edom, do you remember what he did? He came out with a strong hand and all of his people and said, You're not passing through my land. And you know what? Israel didn't do it. In fact, God had given them a command to Israel that they were not to hate and they were not to despise. The Edomites. But does that mean the Edomites weren't going to hate and despise Israel? No, it's not always reciprocal, my friend. In fact, as we get to the New Testament ring of, of Obadiah's prophecy and the implications that are contained in it, we're going to find out that that's one of the reasons why Jesus said, Love your enemies. Amen? They're not, just because you do right, doesn't guarantee someone else is doing right. And it looks like the wicked are going to prosper. And, and so Obadiah starts out with trying to tell them, Edom, you think you're in control of all these things. You think that everybody likes you and is working with you. Everything is going your way right now. But let me tell you, all those same people you're trusting in, They're going to come back and they're going to get you. And that's the way the world always works, is it not? What is the classic line? Swim with the sharks. Now, you know what? That's what they call the business world. Swimming with the sharks, right? There's only one way you can swim with the sharks and not be eaten. Let's be a bigger and meaner shark than all the rest in the tank. It's the only way it works. Last time I checked, we weren't supposed to be sharks. We were supposed to be sheep. And it's a very dumb sheep that goes swimming with the sharks. Amen. Listen. Our trust. And this is where Obadiah is going with his prophecy. Edom did not put their trust in the God of Israel. They didn't, in fact, they would despise him and do everything they could to hurt his people. And God says, Listen, I'm still God. And it may take me a little while to get it done, but I'm going to get it done. That's why he starts out with a rumor and an ambassador. It is coming. And so we come down here. And he says, Behold, I have made thee small among the heathen. Thou art greatly despised. The proud the pride of thy heart hath deceived thee. Thou dwellest in the clefts of the rock, whose habitation is high, that saith in his heart, Who shall bring me down to the ground? Though thou exalt thyself as an eagle, though thy set Thy nest among the stars, hence will I bring thee down, saith the Lord. If thieves came to thee, if robbers by night, how art thou cut off? Would they not have stolen till they had enough? If the great gatherers came to thee, would they not leave some grapes? How are the things of Esau searched out? How are his hidden things sought up? Now, as I was reading just some background material for this, one of the Bible encyclopedias said, We have no records. We have no documentation. We have no books. We have no records of any kind from the Edomite kingdom. Isn't that amazing? It was like somebody went through the library... And burned every book, and destroyed every record of the Edomites. Now, if you read in your Bible in the in the book of Genesis, how many kings were there of Esau's descendants of the Edomites before the children of, Egypt, uh, before the children of Israel even went down into Egypt? I mean, there was generations of kings, and and Edom had quite a history. But most of that history was right here. It was in their own minds. And we need to remember that as the world presents themselves as the only ones that are right, as the final arbiters of truth. Do you, uh, I mean, I don't know about you, but my blood pressure goes up every time someone says... Uh, you know, talks about global man-made global warming. Uh, I believe in global warming. It's called the sun, and without it, we'd all freeze. Amen. Uh, but the idea that man can destroy this universe, this world that God has created, is so ludicrous that it doesn't even deserve an answer. Um, which one? I can't remember which one. I think it was in the Philippines, Pinatubo. Isn't that what the mountain in the Philippines, a volcano? Uh, somebody tried to measure the carbon, the greenhouse gas output. And it was like more than all of the industry of man in all of history. Just one explosion of one volcano in the Philippines. So... Don't worry about it. People present themselves, and Edom presented itself as one of the great kingdoms of the earth. And people willingly paid tribute to use that highway there. And Edom was enriched, and they had all these things coming. And God says, listen, they're going to sweep you clean. There is nothing left. In fact, the only thing left of their Main city, the city of Petra today, are the caves in which they lived. And people paid money to go down there and look at the caves of Petra. And uh, that's all there is. There is nothing left. And it's just what he said. He said that everything was going to be destroyed. Now, the history of the Edomites is kind of interesting. They had kings for generations before Israel came in and, and possessed the land and lived there. And uh, they went on after them uh, that Israel was removed from the city of Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar. They came back. The Edomites were still there. Uh, later on, they joined with another group and became the nabetans or the Uh, And the reason you would know anything about them or the Edomians was that was the family that Herod came from. They were mixed. Some Jewish people in there and uh, some of the Edomites. And uh, uh, in the intertestamental period, they all became technically Jews because the Maccabees went down and conquered them and said, you're going to behave like Jews whether you are or not. And that's where Herod came from. And it's one of the reasons why the wicked Herod loved to rule the Jews. Is because they came and destroyed his ancestry. And then about the fall of Jerusalem, 70 A.D., when the Romans came in and wiped everything out, the Edomites just simply disappeared off the pages. How many of you remember Louis Farrakhan? Affectionately call him Mr. Nutcase, but uh, ran into one of his followers one day, and he tried to pronounce me an Edomite. He said, I'm the true Israelite, and you're an Edomite. I said, there's only one problem with your idea, sir he said what's that i said the bible says the edomites are disappeared off the face of the earth and they have been for over a thousand years and so wherever you're getting what you're getting it isn't in history and it isn't in the bible and then i found out those guys are really mean some of them and and threaten violence when you question anything their illustrious leader says all you got to do is get out the bible And you'll find out there are reasons why you think people were strange. Amen? And so we have here Obadiah's word that says, listen, they're going to be searched out. They're going to be swept clean. And we're going to get down toward the end of this prophecy here. And it says they're going to be as they had not been in verse 17. And so we keep moving uh, on. And God explains how he is going to destroy them. The first thing is in verse 7. It says, All the men of thy confederacy have brought thee even to the border. The men that were at peace with thee have deceived thee and prevailed against thee. They that eat thy bread have laid a wound under thee. There is no understanding in him. Treachery. You know, when you live by deceit, you're going to be destroyed by deceit. And that's where Edom was. They thought they were great, and they weren't. They were just the the lucky people that happened to inhabit this one little point here. And then God says the second point that He's going to do. It says in verse 8, "...shall I not in that day, saith the Lord, even destroy the wise man?" Wise men out of Edom and the understanding out of the Mount of Esau. You know, when God does things, he's He's got a method to what He does. The first thing He says is, All the people you trusted, they're going to turn against you. The next thing is, I'm going to take away the wise men. Now, it... It just sounds like a modern-day happening, doesn't it? In the business world, some guy will get a bunch of people all around him, and they'll go in and they'll take over other companies, and they'll make them lots of money, and they'll get real powerful, and then somebody in the cartel will decide, it's my turn to be in charge. And betray the other guys and work them all out. And then he'll finally get sitting on the top of his little empire. And then he starts doing the dumbest things that you could ever imagine. Just read the paper. I mean, these things aren't new. Because human behavior is not new, and God is not new. And he does the same thing. And we just need to, if there's any encouragement here in all the doom and gloom of the book of Obadiah, is that we can see exactly what is going to happen to those that stand against God. Those that rise by treachery are going to be destroyed. The wisdom is going to be destroyed. And then verse 9, it says, And thy mighty men, O teman, shall be dismayed. To the end that every one of the Mount of Esau may be cut off by slaughter. And then God goes on to explain why. Because this little nation of Edom had been subjugated by Israel, set free, uh, won their freedom, and back and forth the battles had raged over the uh, centuries there of the kings. But verse 10, For thy violence against thy brother Jacob... Shame shall cover thee, and thou shalt be cut off forever. In the day that thou stoodest on the other side, in the day that strangers carried away captive, his forces and foreigners entered into his gates and cast lots upon Jerusalem, even thou wast as one of them. But thou shouldest not have looked on the day of thy brother in the day that he became a stranger, Neither shouldest thou have rejoiced over the children of Judah in the day of their destruction. Neither shouldest thou have spoken proudly in the day of distress. Thou shouldest not have entered into the gate of my people in the day of their calamity. Yea, thou shouldst not have looked on their affliction in the day of their calamity, nor have laid hands on their substance in the day of their calamity. Neither shouldest thou have stood in the crossway to cut off those... Of his that did escape, neither shouldest thou have delivered up those of his that did remain in the day of distress. Now, uh, this next part, we don't have time to go verse by verse and line by line. But I want you to just think about it a minute. And I think you'll see the connection that. What God pronounced through Obadiah against Edom is almost exactly the opposite of the positive things that Jesus said his believers ought to do in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, we were to love our enemies, didn't he? He said when someone smote you on the right cheek, you were supposed to turn the other one. It said you weren't supposed to rejoice at the calamity or the distress of others. And here, Edom has done all of these things. And God says, I'm going to judge the land of Edom for their pride, for their violence against the Jewish people, Because they joined the sides of the enemies, there was no pity. They sat there and they watched until they were sure that the armies of Nebuchadnezzar would completely destroy. And then they joined the armies of Nebuchadnezzar. You know, they had learned that there were some amazing things that happened in the land of Judah and in the city of Jerusalem when armies came in. The Assyrian army came down and took all the land and thought to destroy Jerusalem. And God delivered them. 185,000 soldiers died in one night in the Assyrian camp. God did that. So the Edomites waited. And once they knew that God was going to destroy Jerusalem, then they joined. And they partook in the spoils and they laid their hands on their treasures And they made sure that even those that could have escaped were caught in the trap. Now, if you were a Jewish person at this point, those were some very, very dark days. Read the prophecies of Jeremiah. Read what he went through in in those days as the, the Babylonian armies came in and Edom was one of the ones that made sure all of that happened. Now look at verse 15. For the day of the Lord is near upon all the heathen as thou hast done, it shall be done unto thee. Thy reward shall return upon thine own head. For as ye have drunk upon my holy mountain, so shall all the heathen drink continually. Yea, they shall drink and they shall swallow down and they shall be as though they had not been. And so, as we read the, the prophecy here of Obadiah, he says, the day of the Lord is coming. He said, all the heathen are going to ground, uh, gather round about you as you partook of the spoils of the, of the Jews in Jerusalem. He said, they're going to partake of your spoils. They're going to drink until the bottle is empty and they're going to throw it away. And it's going to be like you never existed. And history tells us that happened that away. There's no records. One commentator said that it was the Edomites that God promised absolutely no reprise, no mercy. No one would be left. Egypt... There was going to be a remnant left in the land of Egypt, and it would be a kingdom again. And we see others, uh, other people that are mentioned, but of the Edomites, their destruction was complete. You know, Paul put it this way in the book of Galatians. In fact, why don't we go there just for a minute and get a little application from, from, uh, from Obadiah. And it's a little backwards of what's here, but Galatians chapter 6, Paul is giving us the positive, just as Jesus did in the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, we have the negative in the book of Obadiah. And we start in verse 6. It says, Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. And he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season... We shall reap if we faint not. Now, what Paul was saying here, he said, listen, what you plant, you're going to get back. Now, Ruthie's got some window boxes. We put some things in there and put some seeds in the box. And guess what's coming up? Exactly what was on the seed packet. As long as they package the seeds correctly. Amen? And uh, hopefully in a couple weeks we'll get some oregano and some thyme and some different uh, good little things to put in salads and stuff like that. But here Paul is using this law of reaping and sowing as an encouragement to keep doing right even when everybody else around you is doing wrong. Obadiah is telling the Edomites that the die has been cast. You have already sown the wrong seed, the wicked seed. You have already done these wicked things, and God's judgment is going to come upon you and take you away. You see, we, we need to do one thing. We need to take time and encourage ourselves in the Word of God Because God's Word always stands. Amen? And even though everybody else around us is doing wrong, and everybody else is going a different direction, we need to remember something. God is just. God is holy. God will judge His people. But He's going to judge the sinners too. Nobody gets away with it with God. And Obadiah's little book mirrors negatively so many of the great positive truths in our New Testament. And we take this one little chapter, 21 verses, and we've just got a few more to go to finish up. In verse 17, it says, But, now whenever you see that conjunction in the Bible, you always know two things. It's connected, and we're changing direction. So it's connected because God is the one that's going to judge Edom, and they have been, and they have disappeared. But upon Mount Zion shall be deliverance, and there shall be holiness, and the house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. You know, sometimes people ask questions about how do you know that the Bible is real? how How can you have a how can you know that the things that are in this Bible are, are really true? Well, let me offer you one thing to think about: Israel. Think about Israel. What people were dispossessed from their land, 70 A.D., and returned in 1948? If you like to read amazing stories, read the story of the 1948 war that birthed Israel as a state. Read the story of the Six-Day War. Read, read the story of the preservation of the state of Israel. It is some the uh, the building here used to be a synagogue, and the rabbi left some books like that I'm sure was on purpose and, and I'll tell you what I have enjoyed just reading one of the books is a narrative of some of several of the generals in the six day war, just telling the story of how that They were taken completely by surprise and were just within moments of being destroyed and wiped out as a people and all of a sudden everything changed. There's going to be deliverance in Jerusalem. God is going to raise up saviors, it says. Now, that's not a capital S because they're not going to save souls but they're going to save the land of Israel. they tell the story of one guy, just one quick story. Had an entire uh, column. There was like six or eight tanks coming after them. And all he had was one driver, a jeep, and one 50 caliber machine gun. And he realized something, that the Egyptian tankers were not very good with the hatches sealed. As long as they had somebody up there looking. And so he laid on the hood with that machine gun and fired at the hatches of the tank. And every time one would pop off, he'd hit a few rounds on the hatch and the hatch would close again. And he delayed the entire advance of the Egyptian army all by himself. Now, how do you explain something like that? I like Obadiah. I like his explanation. How about you? God said there was going to be deliverance. But he also said there's going to be holiness. Because God hasn't changed. Now, there's not holiness there today, my friend. The national religion of the state of Israel is atheism. You can look that up in any encyclopedia. But let me tell you, if God can take care of the other, he's going to take care of that too. Because what Obadiah said is going to happen. The geography is going to be changed. Read Zechariah chapter 14, and we'll get to him in the next week or two. And Ezekiel chapter 48, it talks about the possession of the land of Israel. And all of those nations are going to be moved out of there, and it's all going to belong to the people of God. But you know what the main difference is going to be? They're actually going to be God's people. They're going to worship the same Savior that we worship. And it goes on to talk about the house of Jacob shall be a fire, and the house of Joseph. Now, Jacob and Joseph were estranged at the point of Obadiah's diary uh, of writing. Uh, Joseph had been carried away captive by Assyria. And and Judah or Jacob had been carried away by the Babylonians. But it says, there shall not be any remaining of the house of Esau, for the Lord has spoken it. And they're going to possess their lands and the captivity of the host of the children of Israel, that of the Canaanites, even unto Zarephath, and the captivity of Jerusalem, which is... Uh, Shepharad, which is the land of the Philistines. And Savior shall come upon Mount Zion to judge the Mount of Esau. And the kingdom shall be the Lord's. Now, we know, according to the book of Revelation, that there will be a new Jerusalem. And Jesus will dwell in that city and all of God's people will dwell there and that's what Obadiah is referring to at the end of his prophecy. God's getting ready, my friend. If Paul thought it was the end days in his lifetime, how much closer are we today? Again, God's time clock. He didn't completely wipe the Edomites out until about 70 A.D. That was a long time from Obadiah. Obadiah would have had to have been around 550, uh, 575, somewhere in that neighborhood A.D. Uh, The city of Jerusalem was destroyed about 600 and then again in 603 and then like 598 or something. So shortly thereafter, Obadiah prophesies be over 600 years before his prophecies of the land and concerning the people of the Edomites are completely carried out. But it happened. And the day of the Lord, we're still waiting for it to start, my friend. But it's coming. Obadiah heard a rumor, amen? And it's been echoed all through the pages of our Bible. You see, God is going to fulfill His Word. And so, I I don't know why, but it just seems like the past few weeks, everything I've heard in the news has been discouraging. Have you noticed that? Maybe it's because I started listening to the news while I was driving or something. Uh, The news is always discouraging. It always seems like the wrong people are winning. But then stop and think about, where are the wrong people? When I was a little kid, it was Dr. Spock. Not the guy with the pointy ears, okay? He was the one that was telling people how to raise their children. Uh, I remember seeing a copy of that book and and my parents had it. Uh, Fortunately, they didn't pay much attention to it. Uh, He was the one that said... You should never discipline your children. You should never do anything. They'll grow up all right, all by themselves. You know what? Before he died, he said, you know, my book was a bunch of garbage. He didn't use those words. But he said, you, you have to help children. You know what? Those people that stand up and exalt themselves, just like the Edomites, They're going to be gone. So don't get worried. Just get obedient. All God's people said, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this night. We thank and praise you for the prophecy of Obadiah. Lord, we thank you that we can look down through the pages of history and see it fulfilled so many different ways. And yet, Lord, we know there's still more left to do. And so, Lord, we ask that you would encourage us in your word and in being obedient to you and in simply trusting you. In Jesus' name we pray. And before we finish our prayer, we'll keep our heads bowed. If you'd like to...